Hey, hey, welcome back to the show. We're keeping it real. Goes right. Welcome back to Real Take Sports Talk number 78 live right here in living color. We hope you're having an amazing day. I hope you're having an amazing day. It is, of course, me. It's me. It's Omar Q. Uh, Back with Real Take Sports Talk. First time in a while, and boy, oh boy, it could not have come at a better time. The NFL is about to start. The MLB trade deadline just happened. We are still in the middle of what is likely to be one of the most tumultuous NBA free agencies of all time. And on top of all of that, we also have football coming home. Football starts tomorrow. I don't care what anyone says. I know it's preseason. I know it's the Hall of Fame game. I'm going to be watching, and you guys could also be watching me watching football, which is a weird thing to do. But it's 2022. People watch we people watch streams of people doing that all the time. So if you're going to do that, if that's your plan and you want to have some fun, be sure to check out this channel tomorrow night during the Jags. Raiders game. We're going to be talking about football. We're going to be talking about the Jags, the Raiders, their B teams, their C teams, their D teams. Everyone who's going to be out there during that atrocious monstrosity that they're going to try to call a football game. We're going to be talking about it. So join us tomorrow night live here at youtube.com forward slash real take sports. Tomorrow night, 8 p.m. when that game kicks off on NBC. But we've got a shuzz ton. I almost said shit. Um, there, I, I just said it. There you go. <laughs> we got a shit ton of stuff to talk about today, guys. We have the NFL season kicking off, which means we're going to be talking about which quarterbacks have the most to prove in 2022. MLB trade deadline, as I talked about. News on the Deshaun Watson suspension front. The NFL is appealing the six-game suspension that was levied down by a judge earlier this week. On top of all that, we're going to be talking KD. We're going to be talking NBA. We're going to be talking a whole host of stuff to do with sports. So... Sit back, hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Before we get to any of that, let's calm down and talk about these quarterbacks. I know a lot of people, when the NFL season is just around the corner, they want to talk about the big teams. They want to talk about the big quarterbacks. I want to highlight some quarterbacks that have a lot to prove in this upcoming year, and that's not necessarily a bad thing for all of these guys. I think it can be a good thing. So NFL is coming back, which means the talk of quarterbacks and who is going to stay, who's going to go, who needs to take that next step is just natural. It is a become a natural part of this preseason process. We've seen some quarterbacks make moves on teams. Namely, Baker Mayfield moving on to the Carolina Panthers. We've seen some quarterbacks who we thought were going to move, not move, and in fact, sign deals like Kirk Cousins. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is still around, so Jimmy G, he's still still sulking around uh, old, I almost called it Candlestick, old Levi Stadium over there. But today I want to highlight some of the ones that I don't think are getting a lot of media attention at this moment, but probably should be. So... The NFL coming back. Let's start off by talking about the man, the myth, the legend, former number one overall pick himself, Baker Mayfield. Now, Baker Mayfield, of course, had a pretty dramatic end to his time as a Cleveland Brown, the former number one overall pick, rookie of the year. Led, He broke the rookie record for touchdowns in a single season, uh, 
and this guy was set to be the next big thing, not only in Cleveland, but in the entire National Football League. The saddest part about the Baker Mayfield story, though, and I say sad relatively, of course, but the saddest part about this entire story is that it wasn't necessarily anything Baker did wrong. Now, there's character stuff that I think is legitimate when we're talking about can this guy get along with certain teammates? Can he get along with star teammates? We saw that was a problem with Odell Beckham Jr. We saw rumblings from the Cleveland Browns locker room that he might have been a, not necessarily a problem, but his personality may have rubbed people the wrong way, and he overall got tiresome, which I agree with. Viewing it from afar, I could very easily see why, as a teammate of Baker Mayfield, I could grow tiresome of some, not his antics, but just the way he carries himself. No one wants someone who's going to be as vocal to the media about his teammates' mistakes. No one wants someone who is going to be as, as almost, and I don't think Baker meant to be, but almost condescending in certain situations as Baker Mayfield can come across as. No one wants that guy as their teammate. So he go. So the Browns they make the trade for Deshaun Watson, which you could argue downgrade at this point with the way things are looking. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But they make the trade for Deshaun Watson. Baker is now out the door. It took a long time for them to find a way to trade him. They ended up trading him away for a fifth round pick to the Carolina Panthers. Now the Browns are stuck without the guy who actually got them a playoff win last year. By the way, the first quarterback in Browns in this Browns history uh, that was able to get them a playoff win. So Baker is now Cleveland or Baker is now a Carolina Panther. There's a lot of pressure on Baker Mayfield to go out there and perform and not just perform for himself, but for his team. The Panthers are a team that are one more losing season away from blowing everything up again in a rebuild that really never materialized in the way that the, I don't think the GM, the fans, nor ownership wanted it to be. They get rid of Cam Newton, and the theory is, give it a few years with Matt Rule, you're going to be fine. You're going to eventually contend for the playoffs. The Carolina Panthers have been the epitome of mediocrity in the National Football League over the last number of years. And it has primarily been because they have had no inspiring play at quarterback. I'm sorry, Teddy Bridgewater. I'm sorry, Sam Darnold. I'm sorry, Cam Newton, again. But they have not had the guy under center who can light a fire under this team, who can play well enough to put this team in positions to win. Now, do I think Baker Mayfield can be that guy? I absolutely do. I think Baker Mayfield can, keyword can, lead the Panthers to the playoffs this year. Think about it. The qu the question of Baker Mayfield was never about his talent, right? Is he an elite quarterback? No. Is he a good quarterback? Hell yes. Baker Mayfield is a really is a good quarterback who can be a really good quarterback at times and who when the game is on the line, I think you can trust to put your team in the right position to win. I really do think that. Now, whether or not it materializes in Carolina, 
doesn't necessarily just depend on him. It depends on the rest of the team, but more importantly, it depends on Matt Rule. Matt Rule, I feel like, is someone who's been skating by over the last number of years and and just finding a way to get away from criticism. He's found a way to escape this criticism, escape the scrutiny that other coaches have had, that other players have had thrown at them. Nobody talks about how Matt Rule took over this team with all these expectations and nothing materialized. They've gone, what, 7-8, and eight, or sorry, 7-9, 7-10, whatever, every year. They've been towards the top of the draft, but not high enough in the draft to be able to get a quarterback. Baker Mayfield, don't get me wrong, he has his word cut out for him, and he has a, and he has a good amount to prove because if Baker Mayfield does not work out in Carolina, if he goes out there and doesn't perform well, and I'm not saying he needs to make the playoffs, but Baker Mayfield needs to can't be the reason that this team is held back. Baker Mayfield can't be can't play and 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 show up and perform underwhelmingly. Baker Mayfield needs to go out there and show that not only can he play, he can be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Look at his peers from that 2018 draft. Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, the fall from grace is not only pretty ungraceful, but it's also quick. 2018 was not that long ago. Four years ago, we were talking about Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, two of the top three picks in the draft, being legendary players in this league. We were talking the same thing about someone like Josh Rosen, the next Aaron Rodgers, they said. Yet, who are the quarterbacks that performed that have performed the best from that draft? It's Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, no question. The quarterbacks who were who were yeah, they're top five in that draft, but they were the last two every single time. Every single sheet you saw, every single ranking you saw, Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen were four and five, maybe in a different order. Baker Mayfield. He's not as good as Lamar Jackson. He's not as good as uh, Josh Allen. But he doesn't necessarily, that doesn't necessarily mean that he is as bad as Sam Darnold. That he is as bad as Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen is probably at this point as bad as I am at playing quarterback in the NFL. I kid, of course. But, let's be honest. But Baker Mayfield has to go out there and prove it this year. If he does not, I really do think he's going to stick around the league but he's not going to be a starter. He's going to have to earn his way back, much like another top pick in Marcus Mariota is in Atlanta right now. And I don't think Baker wants that. I know damn well the Carolina Panthers fans don't want that. They finally want to be able to say that we have our quarterback. We have a guy who at least for the next couple of years can steady the ship. We believe in him. We like the fire. We like the passion. We like the play on the field. When was the last time as a Carolina Panthers fan were you out there saying, hey, I'm loving what I'm seeing. And Baker Mayfield, there is pressure on him too. Like, you got run CMC. Hopefully he's healthy. You got DJ Moore. You got Robbie Anderson throw the ball to. You have a defense that's getting better. Baker Mayfield, at this point, it's time for him to go out there and show him and show people exactly why he was a top pick in that draft and exactly what the Browns saw in him. If he doesn't, Look for him to be a backup. 
in, around the league, in a team near you, on a team near you. There we go. Next quarterback we're going to talk about is one that is on a significantly shorter leash than I think a lot of the rest of these guys. Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones was a first-round pick for the New York Football Giants in 2019. He goes from being a what people thought was a good starter at Duke. He didn't blow people away with his stats. He wasn't the guy who you would go out there and say, oh, wow, he, he is the future of football. He is that robo-QB, that unicorn, that one in a million, that once in a generational talent that exists in football. No. Daniel Jones was a guy who played well enough to be considered a top quarterback in what was honestly outside of Kyler Murray, a pretty underwhelming draft when it comes to quarterbacks. Like, here's the thing. That 2019 draft, you have, in the first round, you had Kyler Murray, you had you had Daniel Jones, and you had Dwayne Haskins, RIP. And then, like, in the sixth round, you had Gardner Minshew. If I'm ranking, I'll take Dwayne Haskins out of this because he is deceased. But if I am ranking that... The, that 2019 class, if I'm ranking that 2019 quarterback class, number one, Kyler Murray, number two, Gardner Minshew, number three, Daniel Jones. Again, we're taking Dwayne Haskins out of this because of the unfortunate circumstances of his death. But of those three quarterbacks, that's how I rank them. And you know what? That's how it is. Gardner Minshew has vastly outperformed Daniel Jones in the National Football League. It's not even close. Kyler Murray has vastly outperformed Daniel Jones in the National Football League, and it's not even close. Daniel Jones is on the shortest leash, I think, of all of these these quarterbacks that I'm talking about right now. He is on the shortest leash because it's very well possible. Actually, no, it's very well likely that this is his last season as the starting quarterback of the New York Football Giants. There's questions about whether or not he'll actually finish out this year, and it has little to do with, I think, Daniel Jones being a bad quarterback. I think Daniel Jones is a fine quarterback. He's a great backup. At this point, Daniel Jones has proven himself to be a great backup quarterback. I think he can, he'll can. he be around the league for a very long time, if he wants to be, and he'll start games, and he'll win some games. He actually will win some games as a backup quarterback. I do not see the potential of a franchise quarterback. I see a guy whose height is being on a good day, on a really good day, his height is being the best version of Case Keenum. On a bad day, he is the worst version of Sam Darnold. Another former, now former, New York Jets quarterback. So, and again, I'm not. It's easy to dunk on 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 Daniel Jones without talking about the real reason of his failure as a first round pick, and that's the New York Football Giants. The Giants never should have put Daniel Jones in the position that he was in. Daniel Jones should not have been a number one uh, or a first round pick. 
That much is clear. We've seen him play over the last number of years. We know that he should not have been a first-round draft pick. Now, as we make our way into this season, he hasn't had his fifth-year option taken up. There's a reason for that. It's because the Giants likely plan to move on. 2023 is a great year for quarterbacks. But for Daniel Jones, I think this is a big-time opportunity to not only prove that he can be in this league, which I think he's already done, but to prove that he can contribute to a team in a meaningful way and be a fringe starter in this league and compete for a starting job. That is Daniel Jones right now. That is the position he's in. This is his last year as the quote-unquote franchise, barring something miraculous. Daniel Jones, if, if he finds a way to get the Giants in the playoffs, win playoff games, take him to a Super Bowl, I will eat my hat, and we will, I will be wrong, and so will a lot of other people out there. And I will be happy about being wrong because I love seeing, uh, seeing these guys be successful. But the reality is the Giants are likely moving on. Daniel Jones has a one year of an opportunity to prove to other teams that he can make it. That's Daniel Jones' prove it for this year. He has to prove that he can contribute in a meaningful way and as a starter in this league. Do I think he can do it? It's possible. Do I think it will happen with the team as it's currently constructed? I find it very difficult to believe that's going to happen. I find it very difficult to believe with everything that they have with 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 with, with uh with everything that the Giants have done to themselves, honestly, I just don't know if if that's going to happen. Like, the New York Giants have been a dumpster fire since before Tom Coughlin retired. But really, the I think Tom Coughlin, the best thing you can say about him as the Giants uh, coach the last couple of years he was, the man at least gave, the, gave them a veil of of competitiveness the man at least gave them a veil of respectability that has not existed since he's been gone now do i do i think that you know the giants and and uh who's their head coach brian dable do i think brian dable can change the culture do i think brian dable can bring winning back to new york i think he can i just don't think it's going to be with uh, Daniel Jones at quarterback. I, I think he can make Daniel Jones look a hell of a lot better than he does, but that I don't think it's going to be enough at the end of the day if they have a guy in 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 twenty in the twenty twenty three draft that they like. If they have a bright uh, a Bryce Young, if they have one of those guys, you're not and you're in that position. You're you're going to take him. You are going to take him. You have to take one of those young quarterbacks because at the end of the day, you know what Daniel Jones' ceiling is. That's the real take truth. And again, I hope I'm wrong. I hope Daniel Jones goes out there and wins the MVP. I don't think he will, but we'll see. Next quarterback we're going to talk about. Oh, 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 it's time. It's time. It's Tua time. Tua Tagovailoa has been blessed with the gift of Tyreek Hill in one of the most strangest and just baffling trades of in recent memory, at least in NFL memory. I don't think anyone saw the Tyreek Hill trade coming. 
We knew that his contract was going to be a situation for the Kansas City Chiefs, but I don't think anyone expected a trade to go down as quickly as it did after the initial reports came out. But nevertheless, Tyreek Hill is now a Miami Dolphin. He joins Tua Tagovailoa, and he's been putting out all these videos of himself and Tua playing catch. And look, Tua's been slinging the rock lately in these videos, and he's been proving a lot of people, uh, I wouldn't say wrong, but... He's been showing a lot of people who would claim that he can't throw the football past 40 yards that, watch this, bet you I can. And he did. Good for him. Now, we'll talk about the problems plaguing Miami, some of the other problems plaguing Miami going into this season. But the Miami Dolphins and Tua Tagovailoa specifically do have a lot to prove this year. Look at Miami the past two seasons. Miami in 2021 were a 10-6 team that missed out on the playoffs. In a seven-team playoff race in the AFC. Look at them last year. They barely missed out on the playoffs last year as well. So, And that's after they started like, what, 1-5 or 1-6 or something like that. Something crazy like that. And they went on and rattled off like eight straight wins. Like, this Miami football team, especially when they had Brian Flores as their head coach, had a grit that was unmatched by almost any other team in football. Like, the sheer grit of this team had to be respected. Now, do I think that McDonald as head coach is going to keep that around? I'm not sure. I think it's going to be a a bit of a different vibe than it was with Brian Flores. But what I will say is that quarterback Tua Tagovailoa, is the key to this team. And I mean that because over the past number of years, the a lot there there has been media speculation that the problem with Tua Tagovailoa is that he sucks. The problem with Tua Tagovailoa is his arm strength. The problem with Tua Tagovailoa is that he's not reading NFL offenses as well as as he probably should be at this point. Nevertheless, in what has it been now? 21 NFL starts. He's 13-8 as a starter, went 6-3 his rookie year, 7-5 last year. He's thrown 27 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. Not blowing people away with those numbers. However, efficiency has been the name of the game with Tua Tagovailoa. He's completing 66% of his passes. Tua Tagovailoa's problem is not that he is not a good quarterback. It's not that Tua Tagovailoa can't throw the football. It's not that he's incapable of playing quarterback in the NFL. No, 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 no. Tua Tagovailoa's issue is that he is injury prone. And it was one of the bigger problems. And, he, and he's injury prone and he isn't as consistent as other people in his class. That is the problem with Tua Tagovailoa. Those are the two main issues. I'll, I'll start with the injury notion first. Now, that notion goes back to his time at Alabama. Tua had that breakout year where he came in, what helped... Alabama win the national championship, had another breakout year, and then his last year at Alabama, he goes out there and he just basically, I think, he, what was it? Was a hip injury, correct? He hurts his hip uh, and or dislocates his hip, I believe, and he's basically out for the rest of the year, and he would end up going, he would end up going, uh, I believe, number ten overall in the draft. Uh, or sorry, number five overall in the draft, to the Miami Dolphins. In the draft that had Justin Herbert, 
in a draft that also had Joe Burrow as the number one overall pick. Now, when you think about that, right, I don't think it's hard for people to really judge that. Who are the top three quarterbacks? It's Joe Burrow, Justin Airbear, and Tua Tagovailoa in that order. One of them has been to a Super Bowl. One of them has been throwing a boatload of touchdowns, going for it on fourth down, competing with the best of the best. And the other one has been pretty good when he's on the field. Two years in, and he started 21 games. Tua Tagovailoa has to prove that he can stay healthy. I think if he can stay healthy, if they can have consistency from him and he can stay healthy, the Miami Dolphins can not only win the playoffs, I think they can win a playoff game. I don't think this team is ready to compete for a Super Bowl just yet. They still have to. They still have a ways to go, I think, defensively uh, in the pass rush. But and I, I don't think McDaniel is is there yet as a coach yet. I think he needs he needs to really learn how to be a head coach. But Tua, but Tua's the thing to watch for Tua this year is going to be whether or not he can stay healthy. If he can stay healthy. Miami has a higher chance of making playoffs. If he doesn't, then they have a problem because then you have a guy who you drafted n- number five overall in the draft who year one missed a few games injury. Year two missed a few games injury. Year three missed a few games injury and your team is suffering because of it. And now the Miami Dolphins don't even have an, as much draft capital as they did just a few days ago to go out and get a quarterback in the draft because they, had to, they got their first round pick taken away next year. So in a way, they are kind of married to Tua Tagovailoa. And if you're a Miami fan, you have to be wondering, or sorry, you have to be supporting him because what's your backup plan? And what else are you going to ask him to do? Is he as mobile as some of these other quarterbacks? No, but he doesn't need to be. You You don't bring in a quarterback just to be mobile. You bring in a quarterback to complete passes and win football games. Tua Tagovailoa has been completing some passes, and he's been winning. He's just not on the field enough for it to get them over the hump. He needs to play. And his offensive line needs to protect him. Last, but certainly not least, guys, by the way, if you're watching this live, uh, Daniel uh, Donald Thomas, I see you in the chat, uh, talking about Tua Tagovailoa, he has to be the guy this year. He's not that mobile and that's possibly one of the reasons he's gotten injured. He's not able to get away from the pass rush quick enough. Guys, if you're watching this, be sure to hit that like button. Subscribe and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Last quarterback we're going to talk about. Ooh, I screamed on that one. I apologize, listeners on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, last quarterback we're going to talk about today is Justin Air Bear. Justin Herbert, for those who are listening. Justin Herbert has, I want to say, taken the league by storm with his play. Not necessarily with his winning, because he's been, much like Tua Tagovailoa, the team has been kind of on the bubble of competing for the playoff, for the playoffs the last number of years. But last year, I, I think what we've seen out of Justin Herbert is just insanity when you talk about pure numbers. The past two seasons, the dude as a rookie threw 31 touchdowns, the dude, I think that that was the rookie record, if I'm not mistaken. Second year comes in, throws 38 touchdowns. He's completing well over 60% of his passes. Issue is, 
They went 6-9 and the first year, 9-8 and the second year, and now the expectation is not that, oh, is Justin Herbert playing for a job? Hell no. Justin Herbert, that is his job. The question on Herbert is, when is he going to take that next big leap? When is Justin Herbert going to join the Joe Burrows, join the Lamar Jacksons, join the Patrick Mahomes, join the Josh Allens in the playoffs and in the hunt for a title? That is what people think of Justin Herbert. They think of him as an elite talent, but he is not an elite quarterback because he hasn't been to the playoffs. If, you're, if we are talking about legacy-wise, right, who has the most to prove coming into this year, legacy-wise, of these quarterbacks that, we, that we're just talking about, I think Justin Herbert right now is on the precipice of getting to that great level, getting to that elite level, being in the conversation about being a generational talent. When we talk about the 2020s, when we talk about the 2030s, we're talking about Justin Herbert. Talent-wise, he's right up there with Lamar. He's right up there with Patrick. He's right up there with Josh. But achievement-wise, he's got a ways to go. And I think the pressure is on because the Chargers were a team that had a quarterback who put up really good numbers, who wasn't necessarily the reason that they lost games, but who under his under his leadership, under his everything in Phillip Rivers, they just were never able to get over the hump. They were inconsistent when when they would make the playoffs. Justin Herbert is the guy you brought in to change all of that. And that's why you hold him to a different standard. That is just the God's honest truth. His talent, the way he's balled out his first two years, you hold him to a much different standard than you do to a Tagovailoa. You hold him to a much different standard than you do a Baker Mayfield. You hold him to a much different standard than you would hold a Sam Darnold or a Josh Rose, one of these other busts that are out there from that 2018 draft off the jokes, but not really. But you, re- you hold him to an elite standard because he's an elite talent. So it's not enough for him to go out there. He could go out there and throw 55 touchdowns. He could go out there and throw 60 touchdowns. If they don't make the playoffs and they don't win a playoff game, it doesn't matter. Because nothing has fundamentally changed with the, with the San Diego, now Los Angeles, whatever you want to call them, the Chargers. If he makes the playoffs, man, go Chargers, go. But if he doesn't, no Chargers, no. That's what it is, man. And that's what it is. Y'all let me know what you guys think, though, in the chat. Hit that like button. Subscribe at that notification bell. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave a five-star review. And subscribe to stay updated on all the next Real Take Sports Talks and news updates. We're not done done yet, by the way. I, I know that sounds like an outro. We are not done yet. Not by a long shot. I just want to get that plug in, guys. Uh, also, if you're a wrestling fan, be sure to go to youtube.com forward slash Real Take Wrestling for all your wrestling updates. We got a lot of content in the works. And join us tomorrow night live for Jacksonville Jaguars taking on the Las Vegas Raiders, the Hall of Fame game. Football is back in less than, in almost 24 hours. Me, oh my, goodness gracious. Great balls of fire. Guys, let's move on. 
and talk about uh, one of the bigger stories out of the National Football League this week. There were a lot of insanely big stories out of the, out of the NFL this week, but I don't think any were bigger than this bombshell that came out from Miami. Like, and, and that is exactly what this was. This was a bombshell that came out from Miami. Excuse me while I uh, fix something here. But, yeah, like... Here's the thing. We had heard rumblings of of some not even misconduct, but but some tampering. We had heard rumblings that Tom Brady may have had uh, talks with the Miami Dolphins about coming back and playing with them. But I don't think anyone thought that it was going to amount to what it amounted to. And now that it's all come out, man, oh man, is it a story? Um, but let's talk about it, guys. So. The Miami Dolphins and Miami Gate will now be synonymous with each other. Um, Miami Gate, people. So, the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins were punished by the NFL this week for allegedly tampering in a thing that involved Tom Brady. This is crazy. Uh, The NFL notified the Miami Dolphins on Tuesday that the team would be stripped of their 2023 first-round draft pick, as well as a 2024 third-round draft pick, amongst other disciplinary measures. Now, this is coming off of a report and investigation that found that Miami had illegal encounters, or sorry, unlawful—not unlawful. That's a that's the wrong way to put it. But the Miami Dolphins basically got caught. Miami got caught tampering. Miami got caught talking to Tom Brady when they shouldn't have been in 2019 when he was still a member of the New England Patriots. They got caught talking, trying to talk to Sean Payton when he was still the head coach of the New Orleans Saints before he actually uh, retired. And it's got them in a boatload of trouble. The Dolphins have their 2023 first-round draft pick taken away. They have their 2024 third-round draft pick taken away. Owner Stephen Ross was fined $1.5 million. Again, a drop in the bucket for him. It doesn't really matter for him. Suspended, though, from the team through October 17th. Now, Bruce Beal, who is the vice chair of the Miami Dolphins, was also uh, implicated in this investigation, in these findings. He was fined half a million dollars, and he also has been banned from NFL, or sorry, league meetings for the entirety of the 2022 season. Now, this story, I think it It's created a lot of hoopla. People are still wondering how all of this happened and how it was allowed to happen. The real answer to all of this and and the real reaction I have to this is tampering happens every day. Every conversation, whether we want to, whether it's logical or not, every conversation you have with a person who's on an opposing team or a person who uh, who you might, or a coach on an opposing team, is in some way can be considered tampering. That is why I have had a very laissez-faire view of tampering and, and people's ideas of tampering. Because it's very difficult to stop people from talking to each other. If the NFL's idea is to stop people from talking to each other, this does nothing. This only is going to make, hopefully make them clever about it because the issue here is not that Miami was talking to Tom Brady or talking to Sean Payton. The issue here, 
was that Miami got caught. Every team in some way, shape, or form tampers. Not just in the NFL, NBA, MLB, everybody tampers. Everyone talks to each other. Do you think it's a coincidence that all these NBA players get together? Uh, they're all friends. They get together, and then they magically wind up playing together? No. It was the, the Lakers, when they were courting Anthony Davis, literally openly tampered, and nothing happened. That's how little these leaks really think about tampering. And that's how little it actually matters in the grand scheme of things. Because at the end of the day, while it might not be... Well, it might be a violation of one's contract. While it might violate ethical standards, it doesn't necessarily affect the game on the field. Actually, it does not affect the game on the field directly at all. So it's not cheating. And it doesn't hurt anyone. So in that respect, there's very little you can say against it. It's just something that happens. Tom Brady knew in 2019 that that was likely going to be his last year as the a, the quarterback of the New England Patriots. He made it that way. He set it up that way. And Tom Brady who's, who has been some is someone who has been around for a long time, longer than anyone at his position. He's about he just turned 45 years old the other day. You don't think that Tom Brady was talking to not just the Miami Dolphins, you don't think he was talking to other teams? You don't think he was talking to other teams? You don't think he, he had conversations with people on the Bucks before he went to the Bucks? Come on. I think we all have to be a little smarter than that. Of course he did. Just like last year, the, again, another Miami team was investigated for tampering. The whole Kyle Lowry and Lonzo Ball thing with, with the Miami Heat. How What did that amount to? Not much. This will not stop other teams from tampering. No. What this will do is make them more careful and make it known that if you get caught tampering, you will be punished. And you will be punished with a first-round draft pick at least being taken away. God knows what they're going to do next time when someone does it because the NFL, you know, they love themselves some punishments. So they're probably going to go out there and and try to get the most. Now... Do I do I implicate the Miami Dolphins, Stephen Ross, and, and all that other stuff? Uh, do I implicate them as cheaters? No. This is not cheating. This is just being careless, honestly. This is being careless with your conversations and careless enough to leave a record for the NFL to find? It's careless is what it is. Say what you want about Stephen Ross. I am I don't like Stephen Ross, like, personally. I don't appreciate his views on many things. I don't appreciate his views on the NFL, politics, all that stuff. I don't appreciate it. But in this case, he didn't do anything wrong. The Miami Dolphins didn't really do anything wrong. They were just talking to someone they probably shouldn't have been, but really doesn't matter, and they got caught doing it. That's what happened here. Now, as far as Tom Brady goes... Because I know a lot of people want to talk about that good old Tom, terrific Tommy Brady. A lot of people want to talk about Tom Brady and the fact that he's been linked to all of these things over the last number of years. Miami Gate is now going to be synonymous with Tom Brady, just like Spygate, just like the deflate gate scenario just like the what was it the 2017 2018 thing where they were filming someone's practice tom brady is 
just going to be connected, whether rightfully, unjustly or unjustfully, Tom Brady is going to be connected to scandal. Uh, that is just how people see him. That is just how the perception has been built up. As and Tom Brady was not suspended in this Miami Gate in this Miami Gate investigation. He was not handed a suspension. Tom Brady got off scot free, and you have people, not a lot of Tom Brady fans, saying this is wrong. Tom Brady gets away with cheating all the time. Tom Brady is a cheater. He's a liar. This should impact the way we view his legacy. And to all of that, I say, nay. Because what are you going to do, right? My, my th- Here's my thing, right? What are you going to do, right, when a player wants to go to another team? Legitimate. What can the NFL do if a player is having conversations with another team? Like I said with the Miami Gate thing, when I was talking about the Dolphins, you could you they could have punished Tom Brady. They very well the the NFL could very well have punished Tom Brady in this scenario, but it wouldn't have changed anything. You could have suspended him for four games. You could have suspended him for six games. You could have suspended him for the whole season. I don't think it changes the I don't think it changes tampering in the NFL. I'm so sorry. Who knows? It might be wrong. I don't think it changes the extent to where people tamper. I all, all I think it changes is people's carefulness when they're tampering. I just think it I think people will delete text messages, they'll delete call records. They'll do all they'll do their homework and, and make sure they they cross their eyes and dot their or cross their cross their T's and dot their eyes. You know what I mean? They'll do all that stuff. But I don't think making an example out of Tom Brady was either necessary here nor was it nor was it at all uh, going to have any effect on the rest of the league. Now, Bills fans can go out there and say what they want to. Eat a Snickers bar, Bills fans. It's okay. You, we know why you're angry. But at the end of the day, Tom Brady didn't end up going to the Miami Dolphins. Tom Brady ended up on the Bucks. Tom Brady is still on the Bucks. He came out of retirement and went back to the Bucks. Sean Payton is nowhere to be seen. Todd Bowles is the head coach of the of the Bucks. So when we when we're thinking about all this, when we're talking about all of this, we really have to look. We really have to think, right? The NFL wants to come come down on tampering very hard, right? They want to come down on tampering. They want to talk about how tampering is bad for the integrity of the game, bad for the integrity of the game. Even though the NFL goes against its own rules all the time, their competition committee comes up with rules that contradict other rules they have. They, they claim to care about player safety, but then they don't, they're, they're, they're really inconsistent with how they implement those rules. Like, it, it is, I don't, tr- I'm sorry, I don't trust the NFL when it comes to this whole tampering thing and, and their view on tampering, because on a list of things you can do in football, this is low. Like, bad things you can do in football, this is low. You get you're telling me that talking to people you you don't you don't think that any of these free agents do the same thing like really have we learned nothing from the amount of information that comes out you don't think that Adam Schefter who's out here weekly like saying 
well, you know, we, we've heard from people close to the situation that X, Y, and Z is talking to X team. You don't think that those that there's been people, there have been back channels that these players have been talking to other teams while they're still under contract? Of course they have. This happens all the time. It happens all the time in the real world. It definitely happens when you have millionaires who play a game for our entertainment. Trust me, guys. Trust me on this. Now, here's the thing. People want to say that, oh, but, but, but the integrity of the game. What I care about, and this is, again, a personal thing for me. For me, of all the scandals that Tom Brady's been associated with, of all those things, right, this is lowest on the list. It's way lower than Deflategate, way lower than Spygate, way lower than, than onto Cincinnati Gate, all of that. Like, And it's leagues be below all that because nothing materialized out of it. It changed, it changed nothing about the on-field play of the game. And at the end of the day, the Miami Dolphins are the only team that suffered from it. I mean, it, it's, it is honestly laughable. And I know I have uh, Kenneth here in the chat. Uh, welcome, Kenneth, by the way. Um, in the chat saying, Tom Brady is the golden boy. You're damn right he is. He's the greatest of all time. Just like Michael Jordan's the golden boy of basketball, Tom Brady's the golden boy of football, and he will forever be. I don't think there's going to be another player that comes around that is going to be as great as Tom Brady. And I say this as a Ravens fan, someone who's not inclined to like Tom Brady, someone who's suffered many losses uh, against Tom Brady in the playoffs. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. He's the greatest player of all time. It's not even close at this point. It's not. And yeah, we can call him Golden Boy. The same rules don't apply to him. Yes, you're, you're damn right. That's just how it is. But in this case, right, in this case, I really don't think it matters. Because at the end of the day, you cannot stop people from talking to each other. This tampering stuff, it is just a matter of whether or not you get caught. They got caught. It would have made zero difference to make an example out of Tom Brady because it's not going to stop other players from doing the same thing. And at the end of the day, this really... Here's the thing, right? And, and I think this is an important point to take away from all of this. As fans, if we are pro player, if, if that's our thing, right? We we are we want the, we want what's best for players. Generally, we want players to go and and have a little more freedom, uh, and and be free agents, right? If that's what we want, that's fine. Then it's got. Then why would we have a problem with a player vetting before his free agency? Honestly, why would we have a problem with that? Because let's say you're contracted, not even to a team, let's say you're contracted to a job, right? And you know your contract might be coming up. You know that you might have other opportunities. And you might be hearing, hey, this other job's talking to me. Let's see what let's see what happens. Let's see what they got out there. Let's see what we can try to do over there. Let's see if they're offering me more money. You're gonna talk. Everyone that is a part of life. You're going to talk. And I know, Kenneth, you're saying, so if you're elite, you can break the rules. I mean, look, here's the thing. Deflategate, Spygate, Cincygate, I agree with you. I 100% agree with you. The Bill Belichick, here's the thing. Of all the situations, Bill Belichick got away scot-free, and we don't talk about it. We don't talk about it. But this 
is nothing when it comes to Tom Brady's legacy. This is nothing when it comes to when it comes to whether or not he should have been suspended. No. If you want to try to make the argument that the NFL now have a reason, quote unquote, to suspend Tom Brady and they should use it, like like they should make up for it or whatever, like they should use this to make up for past uh, things that he may have been involved with. Okay, I kind of see your point more. But if we're just going off of this, I'll suspend this man. Then you're gonna have to suspend most of the league. <laughs> like, come on, guys. Like, like genuinely. Like, if Tom Brady were cheating, if if we were doing Deflategate 2.0, suspend him. If we're doing Spygate 2.0, suspend him. But Miami Gate, of all the gates that that have the the the, the controversies, the all of these things that have happened in football that we call scandals, this is very low on, on, the, on the overall bar. Kenneth makes the point of, this causes a dichotomy of fairness and competitive disadvantage. Did it? He didn't end up going on the team. He didn't. And everyone else does it. And the NFL doesn't enforce it uh, with everyone else. So, again, that's just how it is. That's just how it is. Kenneth asks, let's talk about Watson. Oh, buddy. Trust me. We have stuff to talk about with Deshaun Watson, and we'll get to that in just a little bit. Before we do, though, I want everyone to be sure to hit that like button, subscribe, hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Uh, I do want to very quickly end this Miami Gate topic by talking about one of the other findings that came out of this that hasn't really been talked too much or delved too deep into. Uh, so, and that's the Brian Flores angle. So with all of this Miami gate investigation, with all of these, these findings that came out of the NFL's investigation into the Miami dolphins, into tampering and with Tom Brady and Sean Payton, the NFL did, however, find no evidence that the team intentionally lost games in 2019 uh, obviously, Brian Flores, former head coach of the Miami Dolphins, alleged in a lawsuit that uh, Ross tried to pay him, incentivize him into tanking and losing as many games as possible when he was hired in 2019. Uh, allegedly, he offered him $100,000, according to Brian Flores. Flores alleged uh, alleged that the team won games when the team won games late in the season. The Dolphins general manager Chris Greer told him that Ross was mad. And his that his on-field success was compromising the team's draft position. So that is Brian Flores' side of the story. Now, the NFL found that there was no evidence of this. And Flores came out with a statement. And I'm going to read part of that statement right here. He says, and I quote, I am thankful that the NFL's investigators found my factual allegation against Stephen Ross to be true. At the same time, I am disappointed to learn that the investigation minimized Mr. Ross's offers and pressure to tank games especially when I wrote and submitted a letter at the time to the, my, to the Dolphins executives documenting my serious concerns regarding this subject at the time which the investigator has in her possession. He would go on to say, while the investigator found that the Dolphins had engaged in impermissible tampering of, quote, unprecedented scope and severity, unquote, Mr. Ross will avoid any meaningful consequences. There is nothing more important when it comes to the game of football itself than the integrity of the game. When the integrity of the game is called into question, fans suffer and football suffers. So while I agree, I, I agree with the latter part of what he had to talk about, right? 
I agree with the latter part of what he had to talk about with, yeah, you're damn right. Integrity of the game matters. And when you don't have that, the entire product on the field suffers. That is true. Now, I've talked at length about the how I view Brian Flores' lawsuit. I think that Brian Flores' lawsuit is critical. Not just for the NFL, but I do think for sports and and in 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 some way society as a whole because it does talk about and it brings to light a very critical issue and that is the role of race and how and how that is viewed and how institutional racism itself is ingrained at all facets of our life we cannot deny when we're when we you go back and you look at the way that some black head coaches have been treated throughout the NFL when you look at the Steve Wilkes when you look at the Lovey Smiths when you look at Brian Flores himself, those are three guys who, in recent times, Lovey Smith with the Bucks, you had Brian Flores, of course, with the Miami Dolphins, and then Steve Wilkes, three guys who were let go in very weird circumstances where nobody thought they should have been let, let go. Steve Wilkes, after one year, was let go, and they bring in a guy in Cliff Kingsbury who just came off of a losing season. Bobby Smith, first year with a with with a new quarterback in in uh, in in uh, uh, Jameis Winston. Okay, the team does okay. They go seven to nine. Bet we're on our way, and he gets fired. Interesting. Okay, moving on. You got a guy in Brian Flores who his first year. Despite everyone claiming that this team was the worst team to put on paper or whatever, the, the Miami Dolphins in 2019 are going to go 0-16. Yeehaw! Go Cowboys, right? So That's what all the, the pundits out there were saying. And then reality struck, and the team actually rattled off some wins. Even beat the New England Patriots. And then... 2020 came around, and the Miami Dolphins went 10-6. and six. Really good season. Didn't make the playoffs, but really good season. And then they came off, and they started, like, what, 1-6, 1-7, and they rattled off eight straight wins, and they were in contention with the playoffs at the end of it. And everyone's like, the coaching job of Brian Flores was immaculate this year. In the face of all of that, they were able to come back and make a year out of it. And he gets fired. And those are just three in recent times. We can, we can have a full conversation about this if people want, right? But to deny that the way that black coaches have been marginalized and all minority coaches have been marginalized in the NFL and how that has impacted whether or not they get jobs and how long they co keep hold on to their jobs, that is an important point to highlight. That is an important point to focus on. Now, again, with the Brian Flores allegations, he was proven right in that the, they, the Miami Dolphins were essentially trying to get rid of him at that point while he was still under contract. They were talking to other coaches while he was still under contract. And he's right. He's got a point in that scenario, right? But they, the NFL apparently found no... They found nothing to back up the claim that Brian Flores uh, said where... Stephen Ross apparently offered him money to lose games. Now, here's the thing, right? If you look at all of the reports that came out during this time, 
it was very clear that people in the front office of the Miami Dolphins, Adam Schefter's reported on it, Ian Rappaport's reported on it, everyone reported on it, that both players and people in the front office knew that the Miami Dolphins wanted to lose games or were setting up to lose games. Now, whether or not Brian Flores was actually offered money, I don't know. But what I do know is I'm looking at the reports from what I know of the facts that I know in front of me. I do believe that the Miami Dolphins were trying to lose games on purpose. And I think and I because I've been I was following this in 2019, folks. Not that hard to think about. Um, so we'll talk about that. Kenneth Daniels in the chat asks, are you going to answer questions or do, or do the monologue? Both friend, both don't get testy with me. Uh, but Brian Flores, again, it, it's something that we've talked about at length here and it's something we're going to keep talking about because he, he's going to keep coming up again, coach on the Pittsburgh Steelers right now, Brian Flores, it's going to keep coming up as long as he's a coach in the NFL and as long as He's, yeah, as long as he's there and, and, and talking about this. Uh, Kenneth Daniels in the chat asks, what did you expect them to say about tanking? I don't, I didn't expect anything. I mean, I expected them to find a little bit more considering the fact that Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport both apparently knew more than, or found more than the NFL did uh, in, back in 2019. But who knows? Who knows? Uh Guys, be sure to hit that like button, subscribe, hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. We're going to shift gears real quick and talk about basketball. A tumultuous offseason indeed, ladies and gentlemen. Um, let's talk about basketball because the Miami Dolphins were not the only team this week who were accused of tampering. No, no, no. The New York basketball Knicks this week were accused of tampering, and it is not good. The NBA is currently investigating the New York Knicks for tampering. Yes, tampering involving their free agent pursuit of guard Jalen Brunson. Teams were apparently not allowed to make contact with an agent or a player to discuss a deal prior to 6 p.m. on June 30th open, uh, at the open of free agency. Brunson agreed to a deal that night. Brunson has several ties to the Knicks organization. This includes his uh, team president, Leon Rose. This includes uh, his, his his father, I believe, in uh, Rick Brunson, who is currently an assistant on the Knicks coaching staff. So he's got ties to the organization. Jalen Brunson signed on the night of free agency. Everyone wants to make a big hoopla. Oh, my God. Tampering. Tampering. Yeah, the suspension. Suspension. Guys, big surprise here. Most of the big free agents signed on the first few days, if not the first night of free agency. So, the NBA, and again, we talked about this last year with the, with the Miami Heat. The same thing came out with the Miami Heat, right? Where, oh, oh the league is investigating the Miami Heat for tampering. And it comes back to the same principle with the Miami Dolphins argument, with the Miami Heat argument. Yes, sure, it's in the rules that you cannot tamper. It's also in the rules of basketball that you can't travel. Those rules are definitely not applied the same in every scenario. That's just the truth of it. 
And with this situation, I think it really encapsulates the problem with the NBA's tampering rules and regulations to a T. Because the NBA wants to say that you cannot talk to other players without consent of the team and the player, right? You can't do that. Or, or you can't do it while they're under contract. Jalen Brunson's family literally works on the coaching staff of the Knicks. He's close to Leon Rose. He's he, he, given all of that. What, how do you enforce this tampering thing when someone's family literally works for the other team? How do you enforce it? You can't. You can't. And if you do so, right, in this situation, then Adam Silver and all the guys up in, up in the New York offices of the NBA are hypocrites because they literally let Rich Paul openly tamper with Anthony Davis and the Pelicans. They literally let him openly tamper in the media everywhere with the Pelicans. And I'm not saying that that was necessarily wrong, right? Because everybody at that point knew that Anthony Davis was going to the Lakers. And you know why everyone knew? Because they were definitely talking to each other. There, there, were, there were back channels. Everyone knew it. But now the NBA is getting serious about tampering, right? The NBA is getting serious because the Miami Heat tampered and the New York Knicks are now tampering. What, because the dude's talking to his dad? The dude's talking to his family? The dude's talking to people he's gr grew up with? Come on now, guys. Come on now. What are we doing here? Again, I'm someone who wants to openly dunk on the New York Knicks at any turn. I will take that opportunity. But even me, with this situation, I look at it, and you know what I see? I see two patties, right? One on top, one on the bottom. I see some lettuce, some tomato, some onion, throw some mushroom, some 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 nice ketchup, mustard, all that stuff. Put all of it on there. And then top it off with a whole nothing burger. That's what I see see here. A whole nothing burger. None of this matters. This is a not a story. I don't know why the NBA is trying to make it a story when literally everybody else tampers in the NBA. You, you let Kyrie, you let Kyrie and KD sign on the same team just a few years ago. And now you're concerned about tampering? You let, you let LeBron sign whoever the hell he wants, whenever the hell he wants. He talks to whoever the hell he wants. And now you're worried about tampering with Jalen Brunson? What? Of all the sanctimonious BS we're talking about in sports, like, come on now. What are, we, what are we doing here? The NBA has significantly better things to do at this point than enforce this BS, inequitable, and honestly just dumb tampering rule. I said it before. I'll say it again. This rule is dumb. They shouldn't. Like it's not equally enforced, so why would you even try? And in a situation like this, where family's involved, and that's what you're basing this entire investigation on, I don't know, man. It 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 just seems like a waste of resources and a waste of time. But 
It's my view on it. Y'all let me know what you guys think in the chat. Hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Do we still have a boatload of stuff to talk about. Um, and honestly, we're going to get to another huge story from this week. Uh, and it is not a pretty story. I'm not going to sugarcoat it with you. Because it involves, of course, Deshaun Watson. It involves everything that is involved with that whole scenario and that whole story. Um, and I have a lot of thoughts on this. All of them are pretty bad uh, when it comes to uh, how I feel. They're very negative towards a lot of people. And the Browns really took the cake in this one. That's all I'll say to preview this segment. But... Uh, Six games. Six games is the suspension. We were wondering what it was going to be. Six games is the suspension for Deshaun, for Deshaun Watson. Now, of course, we this is after over 26 women have accused him of some form of either sexual misconduct or sexual assault. This comes after months and months of legal battles. This comes after even a few settlements um, in court. Deshaun Watson is not going to play week one. He is suspended for at least, bare minimum, the first six games. The NFL is now appealing that suspension. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Given everything that's going on, the big question, one of the big questions on everyone's mind is, was this suspension warranted? And my answer to that may shock you, no. This is not the suspension that was warranted for Deshaun Watson. The suspension that's warranted for Deshaun Watson, what he's accused of, is indefinite. Some people might not like to hear that. It's indefinite. There's a lot of people who who will will go and use their platforms, right? You, you, you have a lot of idiots out there who will go out and use their platforms and say that well, all of these people are lying, right? That to say that Deshaun, there, there is nothing at all suspicious about Deshaun Watson seeing over 26 massage therapists in an 18-month span that we know of, of people who have come forward, right? There's nothing suspicious about that. There's nothing suspicious about the fact that all these women have similar stories. There's nothing suspicious about the fact that there seemed to have been a pattern of behavior. There's nothing suspicious about the fact that the Houston Texans knew about this pattern of behavior. There's nothing suspicious, right, about the fact that there was so much smoke. And look, even if you're one of those people, right, even if you're one of those people, I'm going to take a page out of someone who I don't really... Uh, I don't really mention too much on this podcast. That's Mad Dog Russo. I don't agree with Mad Dog Russo on a lot of stuff. One thing I will say, where he had a huge point, there is nobody who can look at this entire situation objectively and tell me that Deshaun Watson did nothing wrong. And if you were one of those people, going to be quite honest with you, you're full of shit and you know it. Deshaun Watson should not be suspended for six games. He should not be suspended for seven games. He should not be suspended for eight games. He should be bare minimum suspended for the rest of the season. And in my opinion, indefinitely. Because what he did 
not only brought shame upon himself, his family, the Texans, now the Browns, the NFL, the rest of the league, the players, but it harmed people. It hurt people. It put people in situations they never should have been in. With someone who's powerful, with someone who's money, who has money, with someone who has resources way beyond our imagine. At the end of the day, Deshaun Watson is accused of doing some heinous things and putting people in impossible situations and entrapping people in impossible situations is what he's accused of. And there is no one who can honestly convince me, right, that this dude did nothing wrong. And if you, again, if you're one of those people, God bless you, but you're full of shit. Because we, again, it's part of this this weird thing, right? It's part of this weird thing that people want to want to talk about, like, oh my God, these women are liars. All of them, all of them are liars. The, the like like that that that's what that's what some people want you to believe. That's what maybe I, I again I don't know his views on this, but wouldn't surprise me if you had the 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 Clay Travises of the world or the dead guy leaves of the world would say that wouldn't surprise me at all because that's a grift that they're trying to sell you i don't sell you a grift i just sell you real take facts so so that's the deshaun watson situation as it currently stands and who knows how much longer it's going to stand in that way because uh just recently just today actually the NFL announced that it is going to appeal the suspension that was levied upon Deshaun Watson. Watson was suspended for six games by a judge, and the NFLPA said that that's the, that's the suspension they would stand by. The NFL mulled the situation for less than 24 hours and then decided to move forward and file an appeal. Now, just to be clear about what's happening here, because I know there are some people who might be confused with what exactly the NFL's intention is here. The NFL, what the NFL is trying to do is they are trying to make it so they can suspend Deshaun Watson for at least an entire year. They want to make his suspension indefinite, which if you ask a lot of people who have followed the situation is probably the right thing to do. Now, the NFLPA, which is the Players Association, effectively acts as a union in this situation. The NFLPA's job, no matter what Deshaun Watson did, whether how bad it was, uh, their job at this point is to look out for Deshaun Watson's best interests and protect him. That is the job of the union. That is the job of the NFLPA. They did the same thing with Aaron Hernandez. They filed appeals for Aaron Hernandez. When he uh, mur- when he murdered someone, so it-, it does not surprise me, and it should not surprise anybody that Deshaun Watson um, is is got has the same protections in this situation from the NFLPA at least. Now, the reason I want to talk about this is because one, I think that one, it's the right thing to do. The NFL is a league that people have been calling a joke for the longest time about the way that they come out with these suspensions or, or these punishments. They're 
especially when it comes to domestic violence and things that involve women and violence against women, the NFL has been inconsistent. They have gone back on their word. This is, they have fostered a culture where teams just willy-nilly pick up guys who are accused of doing terrible things. Now, in this situation, they were faced... I, I think the NFL was legitimately at a crossroads here because the Deshaun Watson allegations and accusations and story has been building for months. Woman after woman has come out accusing Deshaun Watson of a pattern of behavior that can only be described as predatory if true. And again, if this, if this is true, he should definitely not be suspended for six games. He should be suspended for at least a season. In my opinion, definitely indefinitely. But the NFL here did the right thing. And I'm willing to say that when they do it. Appealing this and going through the process of making sure that they can put themselves in a situation to make sure that Deshaun Watson is not playing football is the right thing to do because he deserves to be suspended. He deserves to be punished. He deserves to be on the sidelines until who knows. I honestly, it's it's a I know a lot of people have uh, have their views on this. Again, I'm sure Clay Travis has a view on this as well. But if you truly believe that Deshaun Watson did nothing wrong in this situation and that what he did wrong, right? Here's the thing. My my thing is this. The biggest the the biggest reason that the NFL also, and again, I don't want to give the NFL too much credit here. I, I do think they kind of backed themselves in a corner with another suspension. Look at the Calvin Ridley suspension real quick. He was accused of betting on games, right? Which, for me, that's like, th- that is a, that, that what, what Calvin Ridley did as far as on the field and, and the way it affects the team and, 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 and all that, I do think it was wrong. I don't think that betting should be allowed in the NFL. Or in any sport. or Especially when you're betting on your own team. I think when you're betting on your own team, that is as bad as you can get when it comes to betting. That situation, Calvin Ridley was suspended the entire season. Six, 17 games, whatever. He was suspended for the entire 2022 NFL season. The NFL looks at that in such a serious light. They cannot... They absolutely cannot look at the Deshaun Watson situation and say that this guy only deserves six games compared to what Calvin Ridley did. Because at the end of the day, what Calvin Ridley did may have hurt his teammates. It may have hurt uh, himself. It it may have hurt. uh, It could have affected the product on the field. Hell yes. What Deshaun Watson did has dragged the league the reputation of the league, and most of all, it hurt people. That's what I'm going to come back to every time. Deshaun Watson is accused of hurting people. So, the NFL is, of course, appealing. What do I think will happen in this scenario? I think that this is going to draw out for months. We are going. This we are about to see a very long court battle. Deshaun Watson, of course, does not want to be suspended for the entire season, especially after sitting out last season. Granted, I believe his money is guaranteed anyway, so doesn't really matter for him as far as money goes. I'm sure he wants to play. But 
when we're talking about the Deshaun Watson situation, at the, like, I think it's important to look back at precedent. Like when you when the NFL has had these long legal battles, and I think the most the, the biggest ones that come to mind are the the Al Davis lawsuit, of course, but more recently the Tom Brady lawsuit. That that dragged on for two years. And two years later, that, that was after Tom Brady just gave up. Tom Brady just said, okay, whatever, uh, suspend me for four games. I'm going to get suspended and go win a Super Bowl anyway, which is exactly what he did. That was Tom Brady was in litigation with the NFL for almost two years until he just gave up. When we're talking about this situation, this has the possibility to drag on not just weeks, not months, years upon years upon years. It won't change the fact that Deshaun Watson, bare minimum, here's the thing. Bare minimum, Deshaun Watson will not play until, I believe, week seven in Baltimore. He is suspended for the first six games. But as far as what happens a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, who knows? Hopefully at that point, we have a little more clarity on on everything else as well. But... We are about to see that this story is about to just drag on for even longer. And with it, as well, is the reputation of the NFL, if you ask me. Now, I do want to talk about one other thing that is kind of associated uh, with that is actually very well associated with the Deshaun Watson situation here. And that is the response of the Cleveland Browns. So, this. This got me going. I'm not going to lie to you guys. This really got me going. So, Deshaun Watson, again, quarterback, really good at it. I'll give him that. He is a really good quarterback. Got paid $200 million, over $200 million, to play for the Cleveland Browns. Right? The Cleveland Browns signed Deshaun Watson knowing exactly what was going on and, and knowing that these other accusations were out there. They took the risk, and they decided to sign Deshaun Watson regardless. And the Cleveland Browns' response to the Deshaun Watson suspension is honestly as tone-deaf and as Brownsy as you would think. Here's the direct quote from the Haslams. This is their statement. Quote, Throughout this process, Deshaun Watson, or sorry, Deshaun and his representatives have abided by the newly created and agreed upon process for the NFLPA and the NFL to defer to the objective judge Sue Robinson to comprehensively review all information and make a fair decision. Went on to say, we respect Judge Robinson's decision at the, and at the same time empathize and understand that there have been many individuals triggered throughout this process. Triggered throughout this process. Okay, let's finish this off. We know what Deshaun is remorseful that this situation has caused much heartache to many and he will continue the work needed to show that he is on and off the field uh, who he is on and off the field and we will continue to support him so that is that's Jimmy and Dee's Haslam the Haslams who own uh, the Cleveland Browns coming out with a joint statement talking about how while they understand that the situation is triggering while they understand that the situation has caused people harm Deshaun's sorry. He's sorry for what he did. And we stand by him. And we support him in becoming a better person. 
And we and we're not just saying that because we just gave him two hundred million dollars guarantee. No, no, no. We're saying that because we truly see the humanity in people. We're we stand by Deshaun because we believe that he's gonna come out the other side of this better. And we're not just talking about it as a quarterback. Of course not. We we're NFL owners. We care about people. Unless they hurt our bottom line. The Cleveland Browns, that statement from, from the Haslams, it not only it not only epitomizes many of the systematic problems in the NFL very poignantly, but at the same time, it shows you that the Cleveland Browns as as talented as they might be right now on a on 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 the field, right? As talented as they they might be, this is the most garbage organization when it comes to the way it's run. And here's the thing: that statement for me, many of you who've been watching and listening to the show for a long time know how I feel about Dan Snyder. That was that was Dan Snyder esque. What they just did. That was. That takes the cake when it comes to just the uh, comes to tone deaf responses to real life problems and real life situations. That I honestly don't know. As someone who who is involved in 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 the process on the day to day of of drafting like statements or, or or helping with messaging and stuff like that at work, I truly do not know. Who in their right mind thought that writing that Deshaun Watson is sorry was a good thing to put in there? I don't know who in their right mind thought that that was an appropriate thing to say after this man has been accused of misconduct and sexual assault of all these women. Whoever you are that wrote this tone-deaf response, you don't deserve to work in comms, PR, front office, whatever you do. Yet you, you don't, because you're obviously not good at your job. And this really goes to the question of, should the Browns have signed Deshaun Watson to begin with? Because what are the Browns right now? We know for at least the first six games of the year, they're not going to have this guy they just invested $200 million in. For the first six games of the year, they're going to have Jacoby Brissett under center. I love Jacoby Brissett. He's not a franchise quarterback. He's not a starting quarterback. He's a backup. It is what it is. Love Jacoby. Come on the show one day. But don't miss me with that whole, oh, well, but after that, he's going to be good. The dude didn't play football last year. And there's no guarantees that Deshaun Watson is going to finish out this year either, especially with this with this legal process starting out. So... Because sometimes illegal things go go on a dime. Who knows? But should the Browns have signed him? Absolutely not. We're learning that. You took a, here's the thing. Of all the teams that could have taken a shot at Deshaun, given his just his talent, right? Let's say there were teams that were willing to. Well, there obviously were, but let's say teams are willing to forego and 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 forget about everything else. Just. Just look at it from a football move and a risk-reward situation. Who's the team that has the 
most need at that position who, who's willing to risk it all because they don't got shit else anyway. There are so many more teams out there. The Seahawks. The Seahawks. The Saints. There were so many more quarterback desperate teams that could have done this. The Cleveland Browns had a guy in Baker Mayfield who had them in the playoffs, who had them winning a playoff game last year, who had them almost being on the... They almost beat the Kansas City Chiefs, people. And that was with Baker Mayfield at quarterback. I'm not saying it's because of Baker Mayfield, but it was with Baker Mayfield. And then they let him go out and play injured for the enti- for almost the entire season last year and expect good things to happen. The Browns got in their own way with that situation, and they got in their own way with this signing. They just gave $200 million to a guy who definitely does not deserve to play in the NFL at this point, but at the end of the day, long-term, might not end up playing in the NFL. At least he might be suspended indefinitely at another point. And that tone depth statement from the Haslam, that tone depth response from the Haslam's shows you exactly what the Browns are and what a lot of these NFL owners are. They don't care about who is hurt. They don't care about who is affected. All they care about. All they care about is winning football games. The Haslam's made their made their choice with Deshaun Watson. They made their bed with it. Now they got to sleep in it. Now they got to sleep with it. Like, it, it is triggered, right? They're like, oh, we understand this is triggered. Oh, come on. Laughable response from the Browns, but also an appropriate response considering the joke of a franchise they have been and will continue to be. You know what? I didn't have one ready this week, but I inadvertently did it. My snowflake of the week, the Haslam's. There you go, fellas. Uh, guys, be sure to hit that like button, subscribe, hit that notification bell. We're not done just yet. We still have a few more things to talk about. Uh, before we get to that, though, guys, be sure to, if you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, be sure to hit that follow button and leave a five-star review as I take a sip. Stay hydrated, my friends. Um, <clears throat> guys, let's move on. Switch gears back to the National Basketball Association and give a Kevin Durant update. Oop. Uh, so, the entire basketball world is wondering where in God's name is Kevin Durant going to end up? We had heard that he was out of New York. He was out of Brooklyn. Kevin Durant is no longer going to be a Brooklyn net. He asked for his trade. But ever since then, ever since the first day of free agency at the end of June, it's been crickets. Uh, this past week, there were reports that maybe the Boston Celtics would be interested in KD. Those that those talks have, have been reported on, but seemingly have not materialized in them much. Uh, it was also reported this week that the Nets star Kevin Durant requested a trade in while well, he requested a trade in June. He is now apparently going to meet with the Nets owner, Joe Sy, and a meeting should at least offer some modicum of clarity of the situation moving forward. Uh, this is according to one report. Uh, and here is the quote from uh, Heavy Sports. Exactly. Quote, what I'm hearing is that KD is going to meet with the owner this week. He's going to go directly to the owner, Joe Sy, sometime this week, and we'll see how it works out. So this meeting with the owner means one of two things. And I think we are the first one we already kind of know. The Nets don't have an offer on the board that they like. 
and they're looking for help from Kevin <laughs> to figure out uh, and, and, and work this out. Or number two, they've decided, we don't want it. We don't want to do it. KD, you still got two years left on your contract that, that you're still able to play. Sorry, three, I believe. Why in God's name would we trade? You are Kevin freaking Durant. That's why I'm thinking, th this has dragged on for well over a month now. Kevin Durant, like, the talks are still going on. Like, so, like summer leagues happened already. Like, we're, we're not that far away. I know, I know football season hasn't really officially started up yet, but we are not that far away from the start of the NBA calendar season. Like, the preseason starts in October. We are not that far away from the NBA starting up and the 2022 league year starting up. And it seems like nothing has happened with this Kevin Durant situation. And honestly, there's a lot of dominoes that have not fallen yet. The Kyrie domino has not fallen. The KD domino has not fallen. The Russell Westbrook domino has not fallen. There's a lot of things that are still up in the air as far as the National Basketball Association and, and, and the, the entire paradigm of the NBA moving forward. Like, any of these guys switching teams is an automatic paradigm shift for the NBA. And the fact that it ha that they haven't Donovan Mitchell another another guy right, the fact that none of these players have moved I think shows you how teams are kind of looking at these situations right. They're looking at Donovan Mitchell, the, the Jazz are, and a guy that you know what we just gave this guy like a five year contract, and we don't we don't see an offer out there that we necessarily are are, are really happy to pull the trigger on. Let's give it a year. They have a guy in Kevin Durant, right? Kevin Durant, granted, an older player. Kevin Durant, who, perennial MVP, scoring machine, one of the probably the, the best pound for pound scorer in the NFL, or sorry, in the NBA, I should say. They have him locked up minimum where they can trade him for two years. If the Nets don't have an offer on the table that they like, I mean, we still have you, right? You're still here, right? You're under contract. You're not going anywhere. So, yeah, cool. We'll wait till we get an offer that we like, and we'll keep selling your jersey and at least making some money. I really think there are some owners that are kind of coming to that realization, and maybe Joe Sy is one of them. And do not be surprised if Kevin Durant, at least for next year, or, it's, or starts off the year at least playing for the... Brooklyn Nets, or at least still being with the Brooklyn Nets. I do, I because I do think that after some of these, I do think after some of these 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 trade, uh, I don't even know what to call them because you know when you sign a free agent right, and you can't trade them uh, at least for like the the first half of the season or whatever, or the first six months of the contract. I do think once those expire, once you have people like DeAndre Ayton on the board, when you have people, um. When when you have people like Bam Adebayo, when you when you have pe people on the board that the teams are willing to part with, and and at says that the Nets are willing to want to get back in return, or the Jazz want to get back in return for Donovan Mitchell. Once you have those pieces on the on the table, the for the Nets for teams like the Jazz, it, the entire landscape changes because you're automatically able to get much more in return for. 
Kevin Durant than you did than you have right now. Right now, it's not a good market to trade KD, if I'm being totally honest with you. Unless, if you're the Nets and you get Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart and, and a few first-round picks in exchange for KD, if I'm the Celtics, I'm doing that. Honestly, if I'm or sorry, if I'm the uh, no, I'm not if I'm the Celtics. If you're a Celtics, you probably shouldn't do that. But if I'm the Nets and the Celtics, a team that that I play multiple times a year that is in my conference, says, "Hey, I'm willing to trade these two young superstars, these two young bucks, these two young dogs over to you for KD." That's the offer I'm looking for, right? If 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 you don't have the Miami offer on the table, if you don't have the Suns offer on the table. Hell yeah. I want me some Marcus Smart. I want the reigning defensive player of the year on my team. I want a, a, a great guy, a great young superstar like Jalen Brown, who you could arguably, you could say, outplayed Jason Tatum, who is viewed as the superstar on the Boston Celtics in the playoffs. I want those guys on my team. And if I have to trade away Kevin Durant, if I know KD's not going to resign, he's not the long-term answer here. I just found mine in those two. And then whatever the hell else I get over the next few years. Because once you have Jalen Brown, once you have uh, Marcus Smart, you become a destination for other young talent because they want to play with great players. They want to play in a big market in New York. You got it right there. Now, if I'm the Nets, right, and I know that the, the apparently the Celtics have that's the big hang up. They they're willing to part with Jalen Brown. They're not willing to part with both Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart. If I'm the Celtics, then you really have to reassess how serious you are about trading for KD. Because if you're not willing to do that, then you're not serious, honestly, about getting the guy. Because the Nets anyone can offer like one star players and that's like they're not looking for that. They're looking for that and then some. We're living in a world where Rudy Gobert got traded for some key role players and four first-round picks. Four. KD ain't going <laughs> for one superstar and maybe two picks. No, 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 no. KD's going for the house. KD's going for the neighborhood. KD's going for the entire state, my G. The state of Massachusetts. Is going to be owned by the Brooklyn Nets by the end of this deal. Like, my God. Um, yeah, again, we don't know. <laughs> That's the thing. So, it, this, this situation has been so, has been so, I guess, significant and, and impactful with how little stuff has happened. Like, it's, the, it really, it really shows you just, I think, the, the the Nets are just not willing to take an offer that is lower than what they want. Nor should they, honestly. Nor should they. Last thing I want to talk about here, guys, before we uh, wrap things up. By the way, hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you're notified whenever a new video is released. Guys, let's talk about the MLB because we had a historic, and historic, a historic. Y'all let me know in the chat which one it is. Uh... We had a pretty historic MLB trade deadline. And it wasn't just historic because you had one of the great young players of the league and Juan Soto get traded. It wasn't just historic because you had Trey Mancini get traded. It wasn't just historic because you had uh, Josh Bell and others get traded. It was historic because my Washington Nationals proved that they are exactly what other people thought they were. A team that can't sign good free agents. 
Or sorry, a team that can't keep good free agents. I'm going to speak on this from a personal level. Um, before I do, I, I, I also want to be able to put into context like the, the entire Juan Soto situation and, and what it means for baseball and, and everything moving forward. On a personal note, though, the Washington Nationals, after that World Series win, it was it was almost as if right, and I think a lot most Nat fans, not Nats fans, knew it. Like I knew it. I just didn't think it was going to happen this quickly. Like I knew that that was the peak. It was the Nats were never going to win another title for a while, at least. Uh, they, they weren't going to be back in the playoffs or, or back in the, the the title picture after that. No. On a personal level, I knew it was true. I didn't think it would be this true. I didn't think the fall, honestly, would be this bad. I was thinking we had Juan Soto. You had that young player. You still had, you got Josh Bell. You had some, you had some potential here. You weren't going to make the playoffs for a few years. And then you're going to be able to rebuild. And you're going to be able to retool. You're going to be able to keep Juan Soto, offer him a boatload of money. And then you're going to be fine. You're going to be back into a situation where you're competing. That was the optimistic side of me. The more realistic side of me knew that the Nationals probably weren't going to be able to keep Juan Soto throughout his contract, given just given just the way the team was structured. And 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 because that team, 2019 was literally its last gasp for trying to win a title. Let's be honest, guys. It was not going to happen after that. And if it did, it would have been even more miraculous than the 2019 run. Because 2019 was the last year you really had all those guys together in the, in the, in the same situation, on the same page like that. You had Scherzer in his prime. You had Strasburg in the, the, last, re- the last real year he played. Because ever since then, he's been injured, which that's just Strasburg for you. Love him to death, though. That was the last year Ryan Zimmerman was really a factor. Um you had the the you had Anthony Rendon come up. You had uh, you you had Para come up. You had uh, um, of course Juan Soto, an an instrumental part of that World Series win. You had a great bullpen with Corbin and the guys. You had the that was the last gasp of that era of Nats baseball to go on a run, and they made the most of it. It was a miraculous run from where they were in July to where they became, or where they came to in November. And now, it's over. Just like that. Less than three years, it's over. Juan Soto, which is like the last real remnants of that team. I know Strasburg is still on there, but that's the last real remnants of that team. The, the, The meaningful, at this point, Last meaningful player left from that team is, is was Juan Soto, and now he's gone. He's a San Diego Padre. And the Nats are not only in rebuild mode. This is like nuclear mode. And and, and, I, know, and I know Izzo was uh, – sorry, Rizzo was on the uh, – w- w- was reported to be he, – he said this was a very emotional situation for him, and, and it was hard to trade Juan Soto. I bet. 
I bet it's hard to trade a 23-year-old stud when he still has like three years, two, two, three years left on his deal. I bet it's hard to to trade a guy who everyone knows is going to be at least a top three player in the, in baseball at, at the age of 23. I know. I I it was emotional for me too, Riz. It was emotional. But what are you gonna do? The dude didn't want to be there. You offered him, you offered him half a billion dollars. The dude said no. What are you gonna do? Can't do nothing. Can't do nothing for you. Like he's gone at that point, and it is what it is. So here's to an era of Nats baseball that I will never forget, and an era that will likely never happen again. This is apple juice, by the way. Anyway, guys, uh, let's talk about the real uh, the the real news from the situation. Juan Soto, uh, the Nationals' great player. Oh, I'm so sad about this. I can't even read this with a state face. Uh, the San Diego Padres have acquired superstar outfielder Juan Soto and first baseman Josh Bell from the Washington Nationals. The team announced on Tuesday the return package going to the Nationals includes prospects like Mackenzie Gore, Robert Hassel III, C.J. Abrams, and James Woods. Uh, so that's got a few prospects in this trade, and the Padres got the two players that they really needed to be considered top tier uh, in in this title race. Like, they are I, automatically now, like, the San Diego Padres are in contention for a title. Automatically. They are right up there with the Yankees, with the Dodgers, the Astros, all the teams that we that we say every year. Like, like it seems like those are the three teams every single year that we're saying, well, who's going to win? Who's going to win the World Series this year? It's going to be the Dodgers, the uh, the Astros, or the Yankees. It's one of those three teams, right? Every single year is what we're saying. And add a fourth team to that now, it's the Padres. They just added arguably the best hitter in baseball in Juan Soto. They added... A really, really good first baseman and, and 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 hitter in Josh Bell, who still has a lot left to give. On top of what they've already had, on top of that stud stud pitching core that they have, on top of the San Diego Padres, mind you, are a team that before this trade, the San Diego Padres, my friends, were not a, a, a garbage team. They're not a garbage team right now. They're still top tier, like in, in in their entire league. They they are. This is a team that is sixty and forty six, my friends. The San Diego Padres are not scrubs. The San Diego Padres didn't necessarily even need this to be considered like con- contenders for a pennant. But they put they put themselves really uh, uh, on the precipice, I think, of of competing for a title. And look, as a Nats fan, I love me some prospects. Don't get me wrong, but losing this guy, uh, who, who I want to talk about real quick, we're gonna look back on this Juan Soto trade as one of the biggest trades to ever take place in the history of baseball. Not many times does a guy who's 23 years old, who's this young, this damn good, 
get traded in the middle of the season while he still has time left on his deal. Never happens. Likely never will happen to the extent that it just did. Like, and this might be hyperbole. This genuinely, like, I know people will say, oh my God, oh, oh, come on, he's not that good. Like, he's good, but he's not that good. Imagine if, like, imagine if, like, Mike Trout, right, back in 2014, was traded from the Angels. That's what this would be. Imagine if, let's say, Alex Rodriguez, or, well, there you go. But imagine if, like, you know, like, like I don't know, Albert Pujols, back when the Cardinals were winning, back in, like, 2004, or, sorry, 2005, 2006. But imagine if he was traded then. Imagine if Babe Ruth, well, there you go. That's another one. Um, but imagine, but, but, but you have to go all the way back to then to look for a trade that surpasses what this one has the potential to be. Because the San Diego Padres, for at least the next few years, have Juan Soto, who is one of the best young players to ever step foot on a baseball diamond. This dude hits like a machine. He's a great outfielder. He is great energy for your team. And he's already had the the ability he's already had that championship pedigree he's won a title never before has a guy like this been on the free agent market or sorry the the trade market 23 years old best hitter in the league potential to be the one of the greatest hitters of all time and on top of that he already knows what it feels like to win Never before, never again, the Padres just got gold. Like, like, I don't care what prospects they traded away. My Nats didn't get, they didn't get half the return they should have got for Juan Soto. And they never were going to get the full return. That's the issue. That's the issue. They were always going to get scraps. The Nats were, well, the Padres or whatever team would have ended up getting Juan Soto would have gotten gold, a diamond, whatever you want to call it. For a player to be traded like like 23 years old. And 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 to be to be considered like people are already talking about Hall of Fame of this guy if he continues on this pace. Been in the home run derby every year. Been an all-star every year. And he's just getting better. <laughs> at least the Nats will always have that 2019 World Series. It's more than most Mets fans have right now. We have to go back to 1985 for that. But what are you going to do, guys? Anyway, guys, I think that pretty much does it for this show. I do want to give a special shout-out, though, to uh, the late, great uh, Bill Russell. Bill Russell, again, NBA great. Bill Russell Trophy, the MVP of the finals, uh, that trophy is named after him. He's won 11 titles. He passed away this week. And, you know, he, he, both on and off the court, he was an amazing figure. He, civil rights legend and just an unprecedented presence in, in basketball 
just what he accomplished and, and the level they did it on transcends any era. Uh, another happy trails or sorry, sad trails, honestly, to Vin Scully who passed away today. Uh, Vin Scully, former, uh, sorry, was spent 67 seasons calling uh, baseball for the Dodgers. He was the voice of, of, of the Dodgers and man, oh man, it's, he he was there. He's a guy who's been there from like since the beginning. He followed the team when they went to uh, when they went to L.A. Like he like he was part of the the Brooklyn Dodgers. Like you know like so it's crazy crazy. Like but he lived a full life. Ninety six ninety four years old. R.I.P. Vince Scully. R.I.P. Bill Russell. Thank you guys for tuning in. Be sure to hit that like button, subscribe at that notification bell. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Real Take Sports, Instagram, Facebook, Real Take Sports Talk. Follow me on Twitter at O M E R Q on it. O-M-E-R-Q show. There we go. That's what I meant to say. Follow me on Twitter at O-M-E-R-Q show. Be sure to check out our uh, live stream tomorrow night of the Jags versus the Oak, not the Oakland, but the Las Vegas Raiders preseason game. It's going to be interesting to see how many people actually tune into that. I'm, I'm curious. Uh, and until next time, guys, Real Take Sports Talk is back. And we're better than ever. The NFL season is here. Football is here. More videos to come. Be sure to hit that like button. Subscribe to that notification bell. YouTube.com forward slash Real Take Sports. YouTube.com forward slash Real Take Wrestling for all your wrestling needs. And www.realtakesports.com. Content coming soon, I promise. Until next time, be happy, be healthy, be calm, be warm, be jolly, and keep it real.